Shalom, salam, namaste, uh, greetings of peace, peace. This is Naeem Abdurafi, and you're listening to Harlem University Radio. Uh, tonight we will be reading about the Crusades. So we're broadcasting live um, on uh, Tuesday, August 16th, 2022 at 7 p.m. Eastern, um, and um, uh, we can be accessed um, on demand, and I'll give you information about that uh, in a second. All right, so what do we do here? We study history to find humanity, what was, is, and can be. Again, we study history to find humanity, what was, is, and can be. We write history, memoirs in particular, to find ourselves. So we're encouraging the reading of what should be read and encouraging the writing of what should be written, uh, memoirs. This is the Harlem U mission. Harlem University professors share history they are writing or reading. You are invited to join the faculty, no degree necessary. You come on and you share and you are a member of the faculty. So information about that, uh, you go to the landing page, 607-206-9720.com, 607-206-9720.com. Once again, 607-206-9720.com. Okay, so we'll get to the reading, and then I'll come back to the uh, dashboard and see if we have any callers and uh, take it from there. All right. <coughs> so we're reading from the uh, 1936 college text um, titled, on the Road to Civilization, a World Professors Albert Kerr Heckel, H-E-C-K-E-L, and James G. Sigmund. Again, On the Road to Civilization, a World History, uh, published in 1936 by the John C. Winston Company uh, of Philadelphia. So we're in chapter 25, the topic of which is the Crusades. Um, okay, topic. The Byzantine Empire. With the fall of the Roman Empire in the West in 476, the Eastern or Byzantine Empire started on a separate existence which lasted for a thousand years. Its capital, Constantinople, or Byzantium, became a rich and beautiful city, for centuries the seat of Hellenic and Arabic culture, superior to anything known in Western Europe during that period. Byzantine civilization preserved the Greek language and much of the culture of the Greeks, combining it uh, with early Christian and Oriental culture. The Byzantine Empire had a varied history, 
expanding and contracting territorially as it struggled with barbarian invaders. In the 6th century, the greatest of its emperors, Justinian, made a codification of all Roman law. And this Justinian code became the foundation of the legal systems of modern European states. Constantinople had maintained the ancient civilization while Rome and the Western Empire had been overrun by new peoples. Topic, separation of Christian church into Roman Catholic and Greek Catholic. Although the Byzantine Empire was Christian, its Christianity had become different from that of the West. There were the Eastern or Greek and the Western or Latin church. Disputes in the fourth century had caused a breach between the two organizations, and it was widened in the eighth century by a controversy over the worship of images of Christ and the saints. The practice of using pictures and images as objects of art and as aids to worship had developed rapidly in the Christian church between the fourth and the eighth centuries. But many Christians in the East, moved by the derision of the Mohammedans, the Muslims, who denounced idolatry, attempted to rid the church of all images. These Christians were known as iconoclasts, image breakers, from the Greek word icon, for image. In 726, the Eastern emperor prohibited worship of images and ordered their destruction. This brought him into conflict with the Christian clergy. After a century of troublesome disputes, the matter was settled by a compromise which sanctioned in the Greek Catholic Church the use of pictures, but not of statues. This explains why the use of the sacred pictures or icons has always figured so prominently in the worship of the Russian or Orthodox Church in modern times. On the other hand, the the Roman Catholic Church has favored and allowed the use of images, and its churches abound with images of Christ, of the Virgin Mary, and of many saints and prophets. It was in 1054 that the final separation of the Greek and Latin churches took place just a few years before the Norman conquest of England. This separation was one of the causes contributing to those remarkable Eastern wars, which we call Crusades. The popes in Rome desired to restore church unity and encouraged these holy wars. They were one of the most fascinating religious enterprises of a great religious age, one of the emotional mass movements of history. For two centuries, Christian soldiers of Western Europe, each with a cross of red cloth on his breast, made expeditions to the east, usually by way of Constantinople, to wrest the holy places of Jerusalem from the infidels. So the infidels in this case would be the Muslims or the Mohammedans, as these authors 
Corbin. Topic, Pilgrimages to the Holy Land. The early Christians did not hold the city of Jerusalem in any special honor, but in 326, Helena, the mother of Constantine, made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and had two churches erected, one over the cradle of Jesus in the little town Bethlehem, the other over his sepulcher near Jerusalem. In imitation of Helena's pilgrimage, Christians from the Western Empire journeyed to the Holy Land in increasing numbers. And uh, these pilgrimages were also a, uh, a, 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 uh, were used as, as a, a penance. They were, they were a type of penance. Uh, even after the end of Western Empire, uh, of the Western Empire, and after Mohammedan Arabs a century and a half later had taken Jerusalem and its holy places, there was not decrease in the number of pilgrims. For the Arabs, who for a century had spread their religion by the sword, became a tolerant people, and they themselves referenced, uh, uh, revered the Holy Sepulcher because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. Well, uh, let me interject a quick commentary. Uh, I'm a Muslim. Uh, Islam was not spread by the sword, and Jerusalem is important to uh, Muslims, was important to Muslims, is not just because of Jesus, but also uh, uh, Solomon um, and Abraham. Um, Jerusalem has always been an important center. And, of course, there is the matter of the um, the ascension of, uh, uh, of of Muhammad uh, to heaven in what is what is called the um, uh, the mirage. So, um, just uh, all right, all right. Topic: the coming of the Turks. All this was changed, however, when in the 11th century Jerusalem was taken by the Seljuk Turks. They belonged to the same race as the earlier Huns. The Turks came from Central Asia and were converted to the Muslim faith. In 1055, their chief was made sultan of the Mohammedan world, of the Muslim world, with his capital at Baghdad. But the conversion of the Turks to Islam did not change their character. They were uncouth soldiers who had no capacity to understand the fine civilization of the Arabs. And under Turkish influence, the, the Mohammedanism of, why don't I say, the Islam of the Arabs yielded to the fanatical and bigoted uh, Islam of these new converts. The Turks extended their power westward, westward from Baghdad, conquering uh, the Asiatic provinces of the Eastern Empire. In 1076, they took Jerusalem, and in 1080, they established themselves on the Bosporus across from Constantinople, um, and thus threatened the capital, Bosporus, the Dardanelles, the, the strait that separates uh, your today, separates uh, uh, 
European Turkey from Asian Turkey. Okay, so they established themselves on the Bosporus across from Constantinople and thus threatened the capital of the empire. This situation was the immediate occasion for the first crusade. The Eastern Emperor, Alexius, sent an appeal to Pope Urban II for military assistance. Topic, motives of the crusaders. Motives of the crusaders. At a church council held at Clermont in France in 1095, Pope Urban preached the first crusade, calling upon Western Europe to go on a holy war against the infidel. His eloquent sermon met with an enthusiastic response and with the cry, God wills it. Thousands of nobles and knights pledged themselves to engage in the holy errand. Preachers sent out by the Pope to stir up crusading zeal met with great success and enlisted large numbers. The crusade was to be a pilgrimage, a a great penance, which would ensure the forgiveness of sins. But even the church uh, made appeals to other motives besides the religious one. Those who enlisted were to be exempt from taxation and their property was to be protected during their absence. To greedy nobles, this gave the prospect of gaining lands and treasures in the East. The war-loving knights were promised reckless adventure and the thrill of sinking their swords into infidel flesh. For the merchant, there was commercial enterprise. For the serf or villain, relief from the oppression of of the nobility. For the criminal, escape from punishment for crime. Okay, topic, Peter the Hermit. There was a spectacular preliminary to the first crusade. Among the preachers commissioned by the Pope to enlist crusaders was Peter the Hermit. Legends which made him the originator of the crusading movement are wholly false. But by his impassioned preaching, he did gather a motley array of men, women, and children who started unarmed for Jerusalem, 2,000 miles away, under the lead of himself and a French knight, Walter the Penniless. Only a remnant of the army reached Constantinople. Emperor Alexius hurried them across the Bosporus into Asia Minor, and and in their attempt to reach Nicaea, they were cut to pieces by the Turks, so they did not get too far into Asia Minor, not far at all. Okay, topic, First Crusade successful. The real First Crusade started in the fall of 1096. Great armies of knights divided into three groups, each under the leadership of distinguished barons, went from three different directions toward Constantinople, where they were to to unite into one army. The emperor, Alexius, who had expected that only a small group of knights would be sent to his assistance, was greatly embarrassed by the arrival of these vast feudal armies led by ambitious men demanding various attention 
and recompenses. However, he induced most of the leaders to become his vassals and pledged them to turn over to him the territory which they might conquer. He then speeded them on their way toward Jerusalem. The advance through Asia Minor involved prolonged sieges of towns along the way. Eventually, the Crusaders reached Jerusalem and after besieging the city for a month, captured it by storm on July 15, 1099 and massacred the inhabitants. The conquered lands of Syria were organized into four small feudal states, the chief one being the kingdom of Jerusalem. Okay. Topic, militant monastic orders. The defense of these states fell fell to the lot of the militant monastic orders, the Hospitallers, the Templars, and the Teutonic Knights. The Hospitallers, or Knights of St. John, had originated before the Crusades to provide care for poor and sick pilgrims to the Holy Land. The Hospitallers were at first only a religious order under the monastic vow, but soon they took on a military character and made fighting their chief business. About this time, another order was founded for the purpose of keeping the roads to the Holy Land safe for pilgrims. In Jerusalem, this order had its headquarters on the site of King Solomon's temple, and its members were known the Knights of the Temple, or Templars. The Teutonic Knights were formed about the time of the Third Crusade. After the Crusades, the Teutonic Knights assisted the Duke of Poland in his conquest and Christianizing of the pagan Slavs of Prussia and laid the basis for later German Prussia. The Christian successes in the First Crusade caused the Mohammedan world or the Muslim world to forget its quarrels and unite for the purpose of winning lost territory. At the same time, any notable Mohammedan recovery led to a new outburst of crusading zeal in Europe. The capture of uh, of Edessa uh, by the Turks in 1144 gave the impulse for the Second Crusade, which amounted to little. It failed to capture Edessa, Edessa, although led by two Western kings, the rulers of France and Germany, fighting side by side. So Edessa is uh, uh, the eastern end of uh, Asia Minor near the the Tigris. So I can see how the Muslims would have regained that fairly easily. Okay, the Third Crusade. In 1187, Jerusalem was was captured by the great Mohammedan leader, Muslim leader, Saladin. That's the anglicized uh, actual name of Salahuddin, but Saladin he's known, uh, as he's known, the Sultan of Egypt, and Europe was again aroused to crusading zeal. This third crusade, the most interesting of all, was organized and led 
by three chief monarchs of Europe, uh, Frederick Barbarossa of Germany, the so he's the father or grandfather of um, Frederick II. Okay, Frederick Barbarossa of Germany, Philip Augustus of France, and Richard the Lionhearted of England. The drowning of Frederick Barbarossa while on his way through Asia Minor doomed the crusade to, hit, to failure. <clears throat> Richard and Philip met with some success in Palestine, but quarreled over the spoils. And the last great effort to destroy the Mohammedan power ended. Okay, topic, Fourth and Later Crusades. The Fourth Crusade was diverted by Venetian influence from a conquest of Muslim, or Muslim Egypt to a plundering expedition against Christian Constantinople, the commercial rival of Venice. I think there's quite a bit of backstory to this that uh, we don't have time to, to discuss. I, maybe somebody can come on with some with some d- details of this. Uh, as a matter of fact, last uh, last week, Samuel did give us some details, but, but hopefully he, he can come on and, and give us more. All right, so the Fifth Crusade in 1212 was a curious expedition undertaken by the youth of France and Germany and was known as the Children's Crusade. The French king wisely ordered the French children to return to their homes. But about 20,000 German boys and girls attempted the crusade. Many died of starvation. Many were killed, and many were kidnapped and sold to slave merchants. Few returned to their homes in Germany. There's some interesting backstories here also, I'm sure. Please come on and and present them. Okay, so the later Crusades were of little importance. Frederick II, the grandson of uh, Barbarossa, um, who's this? uh, Frederick Barbarossa. Okay, so where am I? Right. Okay, so the later Crusades were of little importance. Frederick II, while under the ban of excommunication, so he was the, you know, the forward-thinking emperor who'd been greatly influenced, you know, by his contact with with Muslims. Um, So he went to the Holy Land with about 600 knights and by skillful diplomacy had the kingdom of Jerusalem restored to the Christians. And that you know, I guess he understood that that would not have been, you know, a great, uh, uh, you know, a difficult feat, considering the, the, you know, the Muslim view of of, of Jerusalem as as being really a uh, a, a a universal uh, site. So anyway, the last two, two last two crusades were led by Saint Louis, uh, Saint Louis king of France, one to Egypt, the other to Tunis. 
1270, the saintly king died of the plague while laying siege to Tunis. And with his death, crusading enterprise came to an end. That's an interesting uh, term, enterprise. Uh, In 1291, the Mohammedan Moors, the Muslim Moors, the Moors of Spain, continued their aggression against the Christians in Spain. But the latter kept up a constant holy war against the infidels. And under Ferdinand and Isabella in 1492, won the last territories which the Moors held, thus completing the unification of Spain. What was that last territory? I don't know. Andalusia? I don't know. I should know that. Okay. Topic. Results of the crusading movement. Results of the crusading movement. The crusades had cost Europe more than a million lives and a vast expenditure of wealth, yet had seemingly accomplished very little. But aside from its specific purpose, its stated purpose, the movement had important results. Commerce was stimulated by the creation of new markets in the East for European products and by the introduction of Oriental products into the West, such as wines, sugar, rugs, perfumes, spices, glassware, dates, figs, watermelons, apricots, cotton, silk, calicoes, muslins, satins, velvets, and inventions as such inventions as the crossbow, the windmill, and perhaps the mariner's compass. Europeans thus learned the use of many new articles which added to their comfort and well-being. Italian cities developed an active carrying trade with the Orient, which stimulated shipbuilding and manufacturing and added greatly to the wealth of Europe. Commerce made necessary a new system of finance, and Europe gradually passed from a method of barter and exchange of services to a money system. Money lending led to the development of banking. The Crusades increased the knowledge of geography and stimulated interest in travel and navigation which bore fruit later in the, dis- in, in, discovery, in the discovery of America. <laughs> discovery. Okay. The voyage of Columbus was only one of a series of explorations which began in the period of the Crusades. The Crusaders acquired a liberal education when they journeyed from their narrow provincial communities in Western Europe to a new world in the East with its great cities, its strange people, its novel customs, and its different standard standards of living. New ideas were acquired, and new types of clothing and implements came into use. The believing mind of the Middle Ages became a questioning mind when the pilgrims became acquainted with the more cultured East. Intellectual horizons were widened, not only for those who took part in the Crusades, but also also for the stay-at-homes 
who heard from the returning heroes many stories about the wonders of the East. Wonders which, of course, lost nothing in the telling. The romantic side of the Crusades encouraged the development of a new literature in Western Europe. The achievements of brave knights were told in poetry and historical prose. The Crusades also aided in the breakup of feudalism. I think of Chaucer and uh, um, who's the other person? It'll, it'll come to me. The Crusades also aided in the breakup of feudalism and in the development of nationality. Class distinctions were forgotten in the common effort of a great cause. Unity resulted among men of kindred race and speech, moved by a common purpose. Many feudal knights lost their wealth, and many lost their lives in the holy wars. The king's power was increased when his dangerous rival, the great barons, were absent on the crusades, and a new rival to the feudal lord appeared with the growing independence of the cities. The introduction of money made it possible for cities to buy charters of liberty, and the townsmen became a political force. Kings and townsmen combined against their common enemy, the nobles, and as a result, feudalism gradually declined and gave way to strong monarchies and new nationalities. The Crusades strengthened the papacy. It acquired great wealth from new taxes, the sale of immunities and grants of land, and from unclaimed property, which had been entrusted to the care of the church by pilgrims who never returned. The church increased its influence over the people by its grant of special privileges to all soldiers of the cross. The king, baron, knight, villain, serf, burger, murderer, or robber who took the crusading vow increased the pope's influence and power. But the effects of the crusades upon the papacy were not all good. Contact with the East introduced many ideas into the West, which undermined the faith of Christian Europe. There is a danger of overemphasizing the effects of the crusades. Many results attributed to them would have come had there been no such movement. Commerce was increasing. Cities were growing strong. Centers of thought were developing before the Crusades began. Arab culture had found its way into Europe from Spain, Sicily, and Egypt before the Crusader encountered it in the East. But the period was one of market transition, uh, or marked transition. And the Crusades speeded up the growth of a new spirit which had begun in Europe before Urban II called Christians to arms. Okay, so we come to a close. And we'll close that and see if we, well, we don't have, uh, okay, there's no one on the dashboard. We have no callers. So if you want to, you know, participate, uh, even in, in a very small way, um, you'll have to join us when we're live. And so that's uh, uh, Tuesdays, tonight, Tuesdays, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
And again, the information about that is at the landing page, 607-206-9720.com. 607-206-9720.com. 607-206-9720. I thank you for your attention and your forbearance. And uh, God willing, uh, we will... uh, Get together uh, next Tuesday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Shalom. Salam. So long.